Oh, I see. Right. I don't touch that. <laughs> I don't touch that. Right. And uh, you gave me a clicker as well, didn't you? Aye. Okay. It's great to be with you tonight. <coughs> no, that's not what I had. Oh, there it is. There it is. That's the opening slide. No? You not get that? It's like Alex Jones. Well, it is. You're right, Jim. Eh, but look at it. Eh? And I think it's Peter that's speaking there. That's the big one in the middle. They say, you idiot. He said, cast the nets. And there's somebody standing there with a cast in it. Eh? And it's Peter. You know, I think I'm like Peter. I think I'm the one that would be saying, you idiot, did you not listen properly? But I wonder, I, I know it's a wee bit facetious, and I hope I didn't offend anybody by putting it up. We just don't invite me back. But I wonder how many times we don't pick up correctly what the Bible says to us. And we go off and we do something, and it's because we've been playing our castanets, and we've picked it up wrongly. So may, as we turn to the Word of God tonight, may we pick up what the Bible has to say to us and not be distracted by anything else. Now, if I get this right, the two should be in sync. So I'd like to read with you tonight from the Old Testament, from the book of 2 Kings and chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, and the words will be on here, but if you want to read along in your particular version, that's perfectly okay. And it says this, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honourable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valour, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus says the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed. And he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? 
Please let him come to me, and he shall know there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean and he returned to the man of God he and all his aides and came and stood before him and he said indeed now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel now therefore please take a gift from your servant but he said as the Lord lives before whom I stand I will receive nothing and he urged him to take it but he refused. May God bless the reading of his word tonight, for this is the word of God. <coughs> Let's just have a moment's prayer. Father, as we consider your work together this evening, save me, Father, from familiarization. Save me, Father, from just simply regurgitating something that I've enjoyed myself. And Father, may each one of us, as we turn to your word now, learn something from it that will be relevant for our lives today and for your glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I can get my left hand and my right hand to work together tonight, they should all be in sync. So they're both there just now. You would agree with me, I'm sure. Yeah, well, they're getting it to work. That there are three characters in the story that we've read tonight. Naaman, the young girl, and God's servant. <coughs> right? It's me that's getting my hands mixed up here. Three characters in the story. Now, if I had to say to you tonight, we're going to consider them and we're going to look at them in order of importance. What would be the most... I'm, I'm not, it's a rhetorical question. You're not getting put on the spot here. But if I had to say to you, who's the, the most important character in the story? I don't know who you would say. But to me, the most important character in the story is the wee girl. I think the wee girl, the young girl, is the most important character. She changed the course of history. A young girl... Let's consider for a minute. She was from the land of Israel. And what happened was 
this mighty army of the king of Syria had gone in raids into her country and had taken this wee girl. She'd been taken from her family. She'd been taken away from all that she loved, from her mum and dad. We don't know what happened to her mum and dad. She'd been taken from all that was familiar to her. And she'd been taken to this foreign land, the land of Syria, the very land that's in the news even today. Not only that, these folk who had taken her, they were the very people, the enemy, she was made to be a servant for them. Now I don't know what you would do, or I would do, if I was in that situation. I, <laughs> you know, you know how to go around getting their photos taken these days. I'm going to take your photo. <laughs> Have you seen them, eh? A pouted lip. <laughs> but would she go around with a pouted lip in the traditional sense? <laughs> I'm here, but you've not conquered me. I wonder how she went around. She's taken not only by anybody in, in Syria, she's taken to the commander's wife. The commander of the army that had invaded and taken her prisoner. Now I don't know how she was chosen. Was she just taken to the market and he would put in the, the highest bid? Or if he'd said, right, you're coming to work for us. But she was now working for the enemy. Hmm. I want you to do that. Hmm, right. I don't know what she would do. I remember somebody asking me, you'll not invite me back after I tell you this, but I remember somebody asking me, why did you become the union man? I said, well, the Bible t tells us to speak up for those who have no voice. The Bible tells us that we have to treat each other the way we want to be treated. I said, and the Bible even tells me how much I have to work. I have not to work for the council. I have to work as though I was working for God. This wee girl was doing that. I think she was there with the right attitude. I've been brought up properly. I've been up, brought up to believe in the living God. And even as a captive maid, I'm going to live for God. And there she is in this house. And she hears what's going on. And what did she do? This wee girl, who's a, a slave, and from a foreign land, the very people, people who've captivated her, what does she do? She's brave enough to speak out. Wow! Not just brave enough. I'm going to suggest she was confident enough to speak out. I know, I think she would sing that song. How great is our God. Come sing with me. How great is our God. I know she didn't know it then. <laughs> it hadn't even written. But I think she knew in the power of her God. And she says... I know that there's a man in Israel and he could heal my master of his leprosy. Wow. Imagine a wee girl like that speaking out. Eh? Confident in her God. Have I got that confidence in my God? Have I really got that confidence in the God of the Bible? The God and Father of my Saviour the Lord Jesus, have I got that confidence in him? Have you got that confidence in the God who saved you? 
Have you got that boldness to speak out? Not to poke folk in the eyes and ram the gospel down their throat, but at the appropriate time to speak out. I've said from this platform before that um, I, I went on summer mission year after year and there was only one man in the wee church that I was brought up in who ever said to me when I come back, how did you get on here? Go and tell me all about it. And he encouraged me. Until my dying day, I'll be grateful to Jim Gallagher, Dr. Jim Gallagher, for the encouragement that he was to me. You see, the New Testament teaches us, let the little children come to me and don't forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. You were saying, Alec was telling me there was one child. We had that in our church just a couple of weeks ago. One wee boy turned up. We had a man at our church just after the summer from the Chinese Bible Society. And he told us lots of things that was going on. It was thrilling to listen to. But he said one thing that stuck with me. Wait till you hear this. You're going to remember this and you're going to be thrilled at I hope you're thrilled at this. You'll just not tell your face to, to smile right enough. You can count the number of seeds in an apple. <coughs> but you can never count the number of apples in a seed. Eh? Is that good? And for every child that we sow into their life, we don't know how many apples are going to come. And here was a wee girl who was bold enough, confident enough to speak out and she was going to change the history of the nation of Syria. Let's encourage any young folk we get to come around us. Let's encourage them. So what about Naaman? Here's Naaman, eh? Now, if you read the story, you'd say, oh, it's all about Naaman. But it wasn't. The wee girl was the confident one. So what do we know about Naaman? Well, we know quite a lot about Naaman. A commander. Commander of the army. Not just a commander. Do you think of some of the great commanders in history? And some of them were brutes. <clears throat> some of them were savages. Naaman wasn't like this. What a reputation. What a guy. Great and honourable. What a reputation to have. Victorious. Do you know what the Bible says? It says something quite remarkable. For by him, the Lord had given victory. Listen to what the Bible says. For by him, the Lord had given victory. Who had he thrashed? Who had he put into, into submission? The children of Israel. God's chosen people. Who was in control? For by him, the Lord had given victory. It doesn't matter. We were saying this at the prayer meeting. I was thrilled to hear Alex sharing that we thought with us before that because I thought he's going to preach my sermon. <laughs> eh? God is on the throne. Oh yes, Boris Johnson's there. Nicholas Sturgeon's there. Jeremy, Cl Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. 
kao hidu pomoć, ja moć to je. Sorry, da bude zdati zvona na dno. Scrub that one. Sorry, this has been recorded. Do you know the folk that are in control? God is in control. In spite of the mess in our country, in spite of the mess in Europe, in spite of the mess worldwide and in the United States, God is in control. For by him the Lord had given victory. And here on Remembrance Sunday, it's easy for us to believe that. But if you'd been a Christian in, in Germany, God was still in control. By him, the Lord had given victory. You remember we used to sing some really old songs at the school mainly. Who would through valor see? You remember that one? Now, once again, I'm not putting you on the spot. What does valor No, no. What does valor mean? This wasn't a man who stood there and threw his army into battle. Valor means this was one who was in the thick of it and showed bravery in the thick of it. This was a great leader. What a man Neiman was. What a reputation he had. Really phenomenal reputation. But, and we know what comes next day. He was a leper. I'm pressing the wrong button at the wrong time. You're trying to keep up with it. But he was a leper. Think of what that means today. Leprosy is a terrible, terrible disease even today. But there's a cure today. In those days there was no cure. Think of what the Bible teaches us about leprosy. People were put into colonies. They were put outside the towns. They were discarded. Some of them were given bells and they to say unclean. But he was a leper. It didn't matter his standing. It didn't matter how great he was. It didn't matter how victorious he was. But he was a leper. Here was a man with a flesh destroying thing. His social life would be disrupted. Folk wouldn't want to talk to him. They wouldn't want to go near him in case they caught it. Here was a man who had no hope. Do you know people like that today? People who have no hope? Maybe you don't. I do. Here was a man who was desperate. I wonder how desperate he was. He was desperate enough to speak or to listen to a wee girl. So desperate that he was prepared to listen to a wee girl. You know, there are folk out there who have this great facade. There are folk out there with great bravado. There are folk out there who seem to have it all together. And behind the facade, they're desperate. And if we come along at the right time, and in the right manner, with a message of hope, they're maybe prepared to listen. Naaman was so desperate and so concerned about this that he even he talked to the king about it. And the king was prepared to listen to the wee girl. That's how desperate they were. That's how much they wanted this cure. Aye, 
They were ready to listen to the only hope. And it was coming from this wee girl. Do you really believe that? I travel or something. I mean, you tell me I'm daft here. But I sometimes come in the bottom road. And then I go home the top road. I don't know why, but I do that. Am I being daft, Jim? Aye. 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 I seem to think I get better mileage. <laughs> eh? But I find it easier. I come in the bottom road. And then when I come out, I go the top road. Eh? Absolutely stupid. But I wonder, how desperate are we? When I come in the bottom road, just along the road from here, I don't know if I should be saying this on tape, but just along the road from here, there's a gazebo. And every time I pass that gazebo, rain, hail or shine, there's folk under the gazebo. And I used to think, they like the fresh air. I didn't realise they were probably there because they weren't allowed to smoke in the house. I wonder if behind that facade there's folk who are desperate. You know who Charlie Stape is, don't you? Is it Stape? The presenter on BBC in the morning? Snape? Stape? Stape. Wasn't it phenomenal how a Satanist like Charlie on Friday was presented with the gospel? That old man. And he started to talk about his faith in the Lord. And he even quoted his Sunday school teacher. Oh, how encouraging for Sunday school teachers. An old man in his 90s. And he said as he went up the beach and he was sinking in the sand, he thought of that song from Sinking Sands. He lifted me. There are folk out there who are desperate. And when they're sinking, they're looking for the only hope. And what happened? Well, the king says to him, you better get away. And look what he did. He took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing. Now this wasn't a pants, vest and socks. It wasn't that. This was wardrobes of clothes. This was everything you could think of. You know, when we're going out, I, I better not talk about my wife, but when we're going out, she goes away up. And I walk into the room after and I say, it's going to take you all night to put that stuff away. Well, I wear this, well, I wear that. That's what it was like. <coughs> all the clothes you could think of. Ten changes of clothes. But then I looked at this. <coughs> Ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. Now, I've probably got this wrong. But bear with me. I got this from a very reliable source. You know the reliable source, eh? Dr. Google. So I went into Google and I looked at this. 3,000 shekels to one talent. Between 9 and 17 grams per shekel. Now, I'm a simple character, so I took something I could multiply with easily. And I took 12. So I ended up with 36,000 grams. In one talent. And he took ten talents of silver. So I looked at this. And I come up with. These figures. Oops. I came up with these figures. This was a horrendous amount of money. This wasn't just pennies. You see how desperate they were? You're going to take this with you. And this is better than Bupa. 
Hey, you're going to take this and you're going to buy your cure here. How misled they were, eh? You'll buy your cure. They'll give you your cure because you're taking all this money with you. What does the New Testament tell us? What will it profit a man though he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? See when folk are desperate. When they're desperate, they'll give anything. And I do believe there are folk out there who are desperate. Isn't it amazing that at this time of the year, as much as any other time, one of the songs they've been playing over this week, and maybe even tomorrow again, is Abide With Me. Hold thou the cross before my dying eyes. Why? Because the only hope is in the man of the cross. And when they're desperate, they realise they can't buy it. And they're looking for the answer. And then he took the letter. Can you imagine that letter coming to the king? Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent naming my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. You see, the king, st- the king hadn't got it. I'll get this for you. And I'm taking this letter, when you'll take this letter with you. And you'll get cured on my authority. You see, they were getting it all wrong. And the king of Israel, what was he like? Oh, he gets this letter. And he sees all this entourage. He knows how victorious Naaman's been. And to say the least, he was perplexed. I like the way the Bible puts it. It says, it says, am I God to kill and make alive? It says he started to tear his clothes. We'd say he was tearing his hair out. Right? And he thinks, he's just trying to get a quarrel with me. I can't cure this man. And then we read some phenomenal words. Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. And know that there's a prophet in Israel. And Elisha hears all about it. And he says, send them to me. I've got confidence in God. Send them to me. Last year when we had Will Graham, we had what we called Brother Andrew cards. And we would put down the names of those we were praying for. And it's when Andrew heard about the Lord, they went and got his brother and took him to the Lord. I might not be able to explain to someone the gospel in the clearest terms but is there someone I can send them to is there someone we can share with and work in partnership with I don't need to do everything I can share it and here's the king and he can't do anything about it and Elisha says calm down, calm down, send them to me and with great confidence he says send them to me Oh, have we got that confidence in our God that is able to do things for folk? And then Naaman, arrive, Naaman arrives at the house of Elisha. Can you picture it? He's on, his, he's on his chariot. There's all these shekels and these changes of clothes. Everything's there. And then there's all the men on their horses. And they arrive at Elisha's house. Now, I haven't a clue what his house was like. And he arrives there. <laughs> yeah. 
And what happens? The serpent comes out and he says to Elisha, you have to go down to the river and you have to wash seven times in the Jordan. Just a week past Saturday, I was paddling in the fourth. <laughs> I had wellies on, it was all right. <laughs> Folk have put a lot of rubbish down there, haven't they? And that's what the, that's what the Jordan would be like. The Jordan was known as a muddy river. Go down there and wash in the Jordan. And what happened when he did that? Well, Naaman was absolutely furious. For a start, Naaman says, how dare he send just a servant? <coughs> Imagine sending a servant out to me. Just a servant. I thought he would come out, wave his hands over the leprosy, cure me of my leprosy, call on his God, do something great. Was Elisha about to do that? Yes. If you read just a couple of chapters further on, when the axe head goes in the water, he throws in a bit of stick and it floats, eh? So he could have. But he didn't. He says, there's a cure. Go down and wash. And he's human. Why did he not come out? And see those rivers in my country, the Abana and the Farfa. He says, what about these rivers? He says, these rivers are far cleaner than anything you've got here now. The Abana and the Farfa would come down from the Lebanese mountains. They would come down and they would flow down the valley and it was lush and it was green and they were crystal clear, beautiful rivers. You see, Naaman was still not prepared to accept the cure on except on his terms. Naaman still was not prepared to do it. He's wanted to do it his way, even at this stage. He wanted his rivers. Was he too proud to do it in front of the men? What? And he's fuming. And he goes away in a rage. And then it says, one of his servants came to him. And they said a nice thing to him. The Bible version I was reading says, Father, the men had a lot of respect for this man, Naaman. If you'd been asked to do something great, something dangerous, you would have done it. But all you've been asked to do is go down to the river, dip seven times and you're going to be clean. Why not do it? Why not go down to the river? And it says, it says that he went down, he washed, and he was cleansed. And look what it says. His flesh became like that of a little child. Here was complete cure. A completed cure. Wow. What was his reaction? His reaction was very simple, wasn't it? His reaction was, indeed, now I know there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. What confidence do I have in the God of the Bible? The Bible says, beside him, all other gods are idols. There is one true and living God, and that's the God and Father of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. One true God. Have I got that confidence in the one true God? Indeed, now I know there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. Let me tell you what happened 
three Sundays ago. I was down in the air. Have you had broken chains here? No. It's something like Teen Challenge. A Teen Challenge is coming to the area. The bus has been ordered. You know the crossing the switchblade, Nicky Cruz and all that? Well, it's coming. We're doing Falkirk and Stirling, looking at Grangemouth, and uh, we don't know where it would expand after the new year. Maybe even this area, this, when I say this area, central Scotland, will get its own bus. Just now it's borrowing the Glasgow and the Edinburgh buses. But broken chains is something like that. And I go down there a couple of times a year to preach. Now, it's not like the well-presented folks like yourself tonight. There are ladies there who are dressed for their work. And they work on the streets. There are guys there who also work on the streets. And they sell things on the streets that you didn't get out of the chemist. There are guys there who are waiting to go into court. They've got slashes on their face. They're a terrible mess. Their lives are ruined. And they come along, and it's no bribery or anything. They know that if they come to the Bible side of things and they sing, and they listen to the message, then they'll get a full meal afterwards. And some of these folk are getting saved. And a young man who I met a year ago, he was there this year, and he came along to the prayer meeting this year, and he had a young girl with him. When I say a young girl, she's probably in her early 30s. And uh, she was sitting beside Andy in the prayer meeting, and she just broke her heart the whole time the prayer meeting was going on. I didn't know anything about it, and I wasn't getting in a quarrel that's not my own. So I was trying to concentrate on what I was going to say when we moved through from the prayer meeting to the service. After the service, we sat down for the, the meal, and Andy came and sat down, and he says, you're right here, and I says, aye. He says, this is Laura, and I'm telling you real names. And the reason I'm telling you real names is I want you to remember these names and pray for them. And Laura had been in South Africa. Her partner had been murdered in South Africa. She came back to stay with her family in uh, Ayrshire. And now her life was a bit of a mess. I don't know what concoction she was on. He says, Ian, I've only been a Christian a year. And I can't tell her anything. Now, in five, we would have an expression, he didn't care, a beef for a bull's fit. But he just didn't know anything. He says, so I brought her along here. Tell her about Jesus. And she's desperate. And I say, what he's sitting there, what a thrill it was for us, someone just to be shooken in what you were wanting to say about the Bible. Eh? What was Andy's story? I know it works for me. It'll work for you. Have we got that confidence? Has Jesus been real in my life? Has he been real in your life? It's one thing coming to church and sitting in a seat. But has he been real to us? And if he's worked for us, he can work for others. You know, folks, as we come tonight, the New Testament has a lot to say to us about ourselves, doesn't it? What does the New Testament say? It says we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. The big problem that we all have is, but, (laughs) but, he was a leper, but I'm a sinner. And I have that incurable disease that I can do nothing about. 
an incurable disease that will only just lead me to death, but to eternal death. The hell itself. And yet the Bible says there's hope there. The Bible says neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name given under heaven, given amongst men, by which we can be saved. Eh? In the name of Jesus. Are we prepared to share him? Are we prepared to tell others about him? Has he really made a difference in my life? Have I got the confidence in that wee girl? Have I got the boldness of that wee girl? Not to preach at folk and poke them in the eyes. But to say, here's something that's worked for me. And it can work for you. And his name is Jesus. Eh? Well, how does it happen? Well, you know how it happens as well as I do. It says if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you been there? I'm assuming nothing. Have you been there? Have you come as a sinner to the Lord Jesus and said, I confess my sin. I need cleansing. I need this only cure. How does it happen? How can I be cleansed? Oh, I love that verse. Eh? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I was washed in the Jordan seven times. Have you been cleansed from your sin? His flesh became like that of a little child. Think of what that means. This flesh-eating disease. This life-destroying, socially destroying disease. And suddenly his flesh became like that of a little child. Completely cured. This is a complete cure. Cleansed from all unrighteousness. Cleansed from all sin. What a message we have. Have I got confidence in that message? Have I got the confidence in that wee girl to go out and tell others? So here we are tonight, eh? And as we finish, where are we, where are we here? A wee girl with the confidence to share her faith. Do I share that confidence tonight? Not to poke folk in the eyes, but to draw alongside them in love and say it worked for me. Wow. He'll do better for you than this world can do. He's a mighty saviour. He's good and true. He'll save you by his grace until you see his face and he'll do better for you than this world can do. Have we got that confidence? Notice what the servant did. Elisha. He didn't make a big deal about it. He sent his servant to the door. I used to go to Capernaum, my wife and I, every year. And I still go every year, but she doesn't. Because it's the men's weekend I go to now. And uh, old Major Thomas used to say this. What God's looking for is drain pipes. You didn't need a lot of drain brains to be a drain pipe, do you? A good drain pipe is open at both ends and just clean. 
And all it does is let the blessing go through it. Are you prepared to be a drain pipe for God? A servant who simply channels God's blessing to others. And as we meet them, a word in season. I don't poke them in the eyes, I draw aside them in love and I say, I'll tell you something that worked for me. What a cure. Isn't it amazing how Naaman, even when he was given the cure, go and dip seven times. Ah, he had all that money with him. And all these changes of clothing with him. He even had the letter from the king. And he didn't even want to go and do what he was told. He wanted it on his terms. There are no terms. The only term is this. Wash and be clean. When the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary and he shed his precious blood for you, for me, all I have to do is I have to come as a sinner, confess my sin and surrender my life to him. He did it publicly. Taking all the humiliation and the shame, I, Naaman, had to come out publicly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10 and 9, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. We've got to confess him to others. Have we got the confidence? Are we prepared to be like the servant who just simply said, go and wash seven times? Here it's not difficult. To allow the blessings of God to flow through us. But I wonder if I'm too proud. I wonder if I'm too proud to share what I believe with others. In case they'll laugh at me. Maybe I've got a pride that Naaman had. And maybe I don't want folk to laugh at me. Say, you believe that? Yes. It's the only cure. It's the only hope. I trust as we come to a conclusion tonight that God will speak to each one of us and if anything has been said that hasn't been of him it will be forgotten but if there's anything that's been said that would help me, help you to live better for him and to witness better for him then may we take it on board and with the help of the Holy Spirit put our faith in action in the days that lie ahead. Now there's a closing hymn. <coughs> and the closing hymn...